0: 18 minutes before the hour, here on the drug Large Radio Show, we're pleased to be in studio with Jim Gaudet. Were you voter number one in uh, Ward? I was. I, f- I
1: cast the first two ballots in my ward. First two? Oh, that's,
0: that's right. right. Because you have we the have state representative the special elections today. And uh, gee, wow! At uh, at 6:30, uh, there had been 77 votes cast in Ward Two. If you're out there at the polls. Take a look at the number on the polling machine when you feed your ballot through and send us a Facebook, Twitter, or uh, give us a call at 606-6762. Do we, uh, do we have a phone issue or? Not To you, not that you know of. All right. Somebody call and see if we have a phone issue. 606-6762. Let's see if it uh, was operator error on the other end. But we want to hear what's happening out in the polls on election day. Joining us now is Jim Gaudette. He is a retired New Hampshire law enforcement, a man with whom we have discussed many options uh, or many, many things in law enforcement. And if you can't wait for his public safety utterances, you can always follow him on Facebook at Jim Gaudette Public Safety Segment Anchor because he keeps it up to date in real time. Best he can anyway. So you know what's happening in the world around you. Good morning, Jim. Hey, Rich. How are you? This morning brought to us by Manchester Mayor Ted Gatzis. Public safety is one of his big issues fighting the opioid crisis. The mayor says the next step is housing for recovering addicts. Learn more about his plan for the city, which he says harnesses the energy of its renaissance at Ted dot com slash plan. That's Ted dot com slash plan. Good morning, Jim. Good morning again. So um, I know you have a, a topic that you would like to address, so let's get on to it. And I have one that I want to ask you about. So, okay.
1: Well, happened? I mean, I can be, I can be brief because, you know, you're a circus, you're monkeys. I know we've always said that. <laughs> uh, uh, now, you know, over the weekend, it was uh, interesting to note that a DCYF administrator mm-hmm. uh, was uh, locked up and charged with domestic violence-related uh, assault. Uh, she didn't get charged with the obstructing the report of a crime, which I found interesting, given this, the uh, public details that were circulated. But that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was, I wonder how quick DCYF will be to fire this person, <laughs> seeing as they were very quick to fire the young lady who was because uh, apparently only being arrested mm-hmm. is the uh, is the threshold of the bar to losing your job with the division.
0: Yeah, well, that that threshold is. Um... <laughs> apparently not been met for this top administrator who is charged with domestic violence huh
1: well you know it'll 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 see what happens we'll see what happens but uh yeah it, it's you know and again all things being equal this person should be fired and lose her job otherwise right. it kind of tells you that the the last young lady, uh, Miss Neely, you know, they were maybe a little bit too quick to, now that, uh, to
0: fire her. There seems to be a move afoot. Uh, District 12 State Senator Kevin Avard has spoken out very forcefully against the dismissal and suggesting there needs to be an investigation. Others now are starting to come forward on behalf of this woman to say the state should give her her job back. If you're her, do you take the job back or do you uh, deliver a summons and sue for wrongful termination? Or can you do that in this state?
1: Well, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if she even liked the job she was in. You know what I'm saying? But they seem pretty quick to pull that trigger. Yeah. doesn't seem to be a whole lot of due process involved there.
0: Well, she just got a promotion and a pay raise,
1: too. Well, right. So, I mean, maybe she does take the job back, you know. And I, I have a feeling that, given the circumstances, she'd probably be in pretty good shape, you know. Not, not too many people would be looking to... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, to kind of go around Then I know the gun rights advocates were up in arms and they were very, very vocal about, you know, what should happen. And, um, you know. And again, I, I yeah, can't and they're, I can't and they're
0: serious as a heart attack about that, because they're what they're basically saying is the actions of uh, of the Manchester Police Department and the state of New Hampshire have basically criminalized possessing a weapon. For well possessing a firearm
1: again they made their arguments and you know i kind of got into it with uh, one of the local state reps and i said look you know you're you're not wrong about the issue however don't characterize this as just because the officer happens to come from mass doesn't mean he's automatic you know you don't know these things you know just do the right thing you guys did what now why don't you turn that energy and get this girl her job back mm-hmm. you know and leave Manchester to deal with that process internally, because it's not like you're going to find out about it if anything happens. Anyways, yeah, I it's think if I were the city
0: right now, I'd be talking to my insurance company and then um, uh, picking up the phone and saying, um, "Here we're sorry. Here's a settlement. Now you don't have well, to file." And, and
1: that may yet, and that may yet happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure the insurance carrier, you know, it isn't Manchester self-insured to, um, to a degree for that, or
0: it, it is, but there's a stop loss on it.
1: Yeah, I'm so. sure there is. So you know, you yeah, just put your insurance carrier on notice, right? Uh, but yeah, I just, you know, I just found Oopsie. that interesting. So we'll see, you know, how this, how this tracks and what the parallels are, you know, to this incident versus the last one. Gotcha.
0: All right. So Jim, I, I do have a question because one of the issues out there is the opioid crisis and how to handle it. Ward two aldermanic candidate, Bob O'Sullivan has come up with his 30, 60, 90 plan. And I know from a brief conversation I've had with you you know, it's not something that can be enacted as state law exists today. So we'd need to know what laws would need to change in order for that to, uh, to happen. But the, the premise of it, the principle of it, what, what say you? And for people who aren't familiar with the thirty sixty ninety plan, what Bob is trying to do is address what he calls revive and release, where an addict gets revived with Narcan, can walk away from the scene if they want to. They're not required to have medical attention, although may, many of them get into an ambulance and go. And we've all heard the stories from, you know, the police chief, the fire chief and others about people who've been Narcan three times in one day, multiple times in a week, et cetera, et cetera. And, and of course, now because of the Good Samaritan law passed by State Rep. Amanda Bolden in Ward 5, um, police, when they show up at the scene, can arrest nobody involved in any legal drug activity because, well, they were Good Samaritans and they dialed 911 to save the overdose victim. and. Um, so the police are frustrated because they see things that are violations of law that they can't act on. And what O'Sullivan's saying is, look, <laughs> we've got to break this revive and release cycle. And he's proposing to use 96 vacant beds in a drug detox or rehab unit at the Valley Street Jail. So if somebody gets Narcanned, they 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 get a, a suspended sentence, I guess, through the drug court. And they are involuntarily committed to this drug rehab at the jail. 30 days for your first offense, 60 days for your second offense, 30, uh, 90 days for your third offense. That's And the offense is doing the drugs that caused you to be uh, revived by Narcan so that they undergo a medical detox and they start the rehabilitation process under the supervision of the drug court. He doesn't want anybody to have a criminal record. He's not trying to criminalize addiction. He's just trying to say, look, what we're doing is not working and we need to find a way to change that. As a law enforcement guy, does this make sense to you that whatever, by whatever mechanism there be some sort of involuntary committal of people who overdose so that they are medically detoxed, they start their drug counseling, and they fall under the supervision of the drug court to begin the, the long process of rehabilitation? Or do you have another idea outside of the status quo, and what's your thought on the status quo and how it's working?
1: Well, again, I, I, his idea in principle, I, I get it, and it's the frustration of, you know, what he calls this release, you know, or revive, revive and, and, release. and release, you know, which is really catchy. I like that. Uh, but, yeah, as it stands but it's now. it's true. Well, it is. And as it stands now, we all know that it's not sustainable to go out. And it's the same principle with drug court. And, and you know, you've had these conversations with Dave Merry, You've had him with Nick Willard and, you know, a lot of law enforcement professionals the nature of the addiction is these people are going to regress. They are going to fall off that wagon once, Mm -hmm. maybe twice. But at some point you have to draw a line and say, okay, you know, we're going to move on and use resources because again, it can't be an endless, you know, an endless amount of do-overs for these people. At some point you have to, you know, figure out what that line is going to be, and three strikes and you're out seems pretty good. Three shots, you know, whatever.
0: Well, he's looking. He calls it a community intervention.
1: Well, no, I'm I'm just talking about you know, at some point, you know, you're, you're not going to get ambulances not to come. It's it's against their their you know their right. whole you know medical ethics and you know this mode. They're not going to not treat someone, but. There are so many laws that you'd have to change and then decide where you're going to put them. And the first thing that's got to go is that Good Samaritan Law. I mean, that's absolutely insane. I was against it when they started it. Um, mm-hmm. And to your point, all it's doing is it's it's allowing these people to basically skate, you know, when they're right there in the same thing. They could have been the person that gave them the heroin that overdosed them. And, right. you know, they're expected, law enforcement is expected to be blind. Um, it's basically immunity for drug holders and drug dealers. And, and it's, it's, antithetical to the solution um but yeah get that principle and and it's it's going to be involuntary because if it's court ordered the court's ordering you to go to this right it's not going to happen right away so here's the problem because nothing in the justice system you know you overdose today we're not whisking you off to the hospital and from there you're going to court because they can't find you guilty just on those you know so if you're going to make it a civil commitment kind of a Kin to an involuntary admission,
0: so there'd have to be there'd have to be some sort of examination of the law, so that when somebody is revived by Narcan, there can be an instant committal to this uh, detox and and
1: uh, well, you'd almost have to you'd almost have to treat it almost like an involuntary uh, emergency admission to you know uh, the state hospital. You know, if you're going to make that work almost instantaneously, right. because again, it's a civil committal; it's not criminal. So there's no criminal record, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm just kind of spiffballing this off the top of my head. But, you know, and that could either take two, you know, two statements, you know, sworn statements or a medical professional says, yeah, you know, the person's had, um, you know, an opioid overdose and it's in their best interest and bang and, you know, do whatever you want. I don't know that the 30, 60, 90 is going to is necessarily going to fly in terms of length, um, but, you know, maybe, you know, maybe 10 days the first time you know, and again, just as I'm thinking about this off the top of my head. Right. uh,
0: Well, I think he's thinking the amount of time someone actually, when they enter into a medical detox for any kind of addiction, it's usually what, 28 days, something like that?
1: Yeah, usually is. And and again, but that's just not, you know, it's, 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 it's counseling, it's intent, you know, it's, it's a whole or a holistic approach to that. You know, there's a lot of things going on there. Um, You know, maybe the 10 is just a, a pretty acute, you know, withdrawal, because I'm hoping that in this facility, you won't have access to opioids. Well, Uh, that's kind of
0: been a problem in the jails. Well, uh, you know, it's always a problem.
1: It's a a problem in any correctional institution, uh, Rich. Mm I, you know, I worked there. We used to do shakedown searches regularly. And, you know, again, I can give you a secure prison, but nothing's going to move in or out of it. There will be no visits. And, (laughs) you know, again, it's like anything else. You have to balance that safety and that security with, you know, freedom and liberty. Um, So, yeah, in principle... I understand it, and I understand it's born out of frustration. You know, the city of Manchester cannot continue to bear the economic price of this. When clearly, you know, it's not only the city of Manchester's problems. Um, you know, it's like Nigerian scams. I mean, it's like the opioid. <laughs> you know, addicts are are being imported. Uh, you know, into the city, and mm-hmm. and again, part of it is you know the safe station. It's 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 like a it's a magnet. Yeah. Uh, you know, for good or bad. Uh, but you know the sources of of, of the op- opioids are here too, so that's where people are coming. Um, but we can't bear that price alone, and you know we're at that we're at that point now where it's going to take us as long, if not longer to course correct and reverse this than it did for us to get to that point. And people just have to understand that. All right. That's we the ha- reality.
0: And we have a question. Uh, I know you've been following these posts about a man named Ed Champy oh, on yes. Facebook. Yeah. And I, I believe you reached out to the professor whose uh, photo he appropriated I did. Uh, to, to do that. And you heard back. Is, uh, if, if, is there a way that you know that we can figure out who the real uh, man behind the curtain or woman behind the curtain is here? And if so, are they guilty of identity theft by any stretch?
1: I, you know, to, to answer the first part of your question, yeah, I'm sure there's, you know, these computer guys, and uh, really,
0: uh, they're using somebody else's picture to make them look like well, they're right. legitimate they appro- Manchester. But I resident. mean,
1: you know, people, you you appropriate underdog the cartoon for your Facebook profile, but I mean, again, I guess that's fair public use. Well, sure, uh, you know, I don't know that you know this professor is necessarily too keen on. You know, and maybe he is. Uh, you know, who
0: knows? But yeah, the computer people. No, he's I'm filed sh- a complaint with Facebook. Oh, he did.
1: He—that's yeah. what he told me. He he had notified them of the uh, of the use. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they'll be the guy will be in Facebook jail, and he'll show back up with another profile picture. Yeah. <laughs> um, Unless but, yeah, we they can, can figure it, out who
0: we uh, who, who it is. Well, right, they can figure. I have out. my suspicions.
1: Well, they can figure out who it is. I guess my point is, is it? You know, is it? Uh, Identity theft, I don't—you know, arguably, it, you know, I guess you could make a case. I mean, because it depends upon—yeah, it depends upon a lot of factors, but—
0: Well, if somebody were posting my picture and pretending that they were somebody else, I would, I, 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 I would consider my identity misappropriated.
1: Yeah, and, and again, I, you know, there's other ways to skin that cat. I think the more interesting question someone posed the question is, is this really a— um, you know, a, a local school district administrator who's basically assumed another identity so that they can post, and I <gasps> think that would be problematic. You didn't, you didn't say that, did you? I did. Mm. Oh, it was on Facebook. It must be true, right? It Richard? was on
0: Facebook. It must be true. Yeah. Well, there is some <laughs> speculation about who it is because they do seem to have an unusual knowledge of things that you wouldn't necessarily read about in a newspaper or watch on uh, watch at a meeting. Well, maybe they got an email from uh, Nancy Tessier. Well, maybe they, <laughs> maybe sorry, they did I say that in my out loud voice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe they did because you know, uh, yeah. yeah, they, they, they certainly knew things well ahead of everybody else, but there we go. Jim, All right. Gaudette, as yeah. always, we appreciate your being with us here this morning on the drive at large radio show. It's our pleasure to have you. Thanks, Rich. We're going to take a break for traffic, weather, and sports. When we come back, we'll hit the news brought to you by the Concerned Taxpayers of Manchester. Still undecided, are you? While the Concerned Taxpayers of Manchester have made endorsements in races across the city for mayor, school board, and aldermen, Learn who they've endorsed at Concerned Taxpayers of That's Concerned Taxpayers of You can see all of the candidates who responded, exactly how they answered the questions, and the big green check mark tells you which ones the Concerned pack pay, uh, t- Taxpayers recommend to you.